Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Amen. Listen, thank you for uh, being here today and uh, coming to God's house. I uh, started last week a uh, just a little mini-series on the inconspicuous people of the Bible, inconspicuous people of the Bible. We talked about Jude last week. I got a good one for you. This week is Onesiphorus. That's his name, Onesiphorus. Say that three times real fast, right? Onesiphorus. It's in 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1. You don't like your name. <laughs> Trust me, your mama didn't name you Onesiphorus. But Onesiphorus plays a, just an incredible role in the kingdom of God, in the New Testament. And as we know this, there's so many people that, that it takes to, for the kingdom of God to go forward. And we always hear about the Moses, and we hear about the Abrahams, and we hear about the Peters and the Pauls. But the Bible is filled with people who maybe didn't get all the ink that the others got, but they still played an important part in the kingdom of God, so much so that God put their name right there in the Bible so that for years later we would recognize them for, for the accomplishments they had in the kingdom of God. As we talk about Onesiphorus, 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where you can start today. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Do you, do you, let me just ask you this question. Do you have a friend that has really stuck with you through lots of stuff? You do, okay? Do you have a, a friend who you can call on right now when you're in trouble? I mean, there's somebody that you just know when the chips are down that you can reach out to them and they'll be there for you. You got one of these. Just you can give me one of these. If, if not, that's sad. If not, then let me just tell you this. I'll be your friend, and you can call me anytime you want to. But I think that not only that, are you that kind of a friend who you can call when people can call you whenever they need you? What about when other people leave? Do you got that one that's just kind of been like that, just stuck around all throughout the years? People that bring you what you need when you have need of it. When you need encouragement, they encourage you. When you need food, they bring you food. Hallelujah. When you need correction, they're the ones that can sit down with you and talk to you and say, look, I think you kind of gotten off a little bit, and I want to help you. Onesiphorus is this guy. He's this friend to the Apostle Paul. He's that guy that always is there when Paul's down, when Paul's in jail. He's the one that goes visits him. When he feels, the Bible even says this. He says, you often refresh me. When he just needs somebody to come and encourage him, Onesiphorus is that particular guy, and that's who we're going to talk about today. If you understand this, you're going to, under, you're going to understand this inconspicuous Bible character. Now, if you're there with me, go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 5 to begin with. And we're going to read the... Uh, the story of Onesiphorus is the only place in the Bible where he's, mentioned, where he's mentioned. But the one thing, it really makes a great impact when you understand where Paul was at this particular time. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says this. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He says, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagelius and Hermogenes. Now, when we say Asia, you know that Asia had lots of churches that Paul had established. All the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, those, all of those churches were in, 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 in Asia. And so there's lots of people. The Bible says this. He said this. Paul says, you know this, that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. So something happened, and everybody forsook Paul. Even these, these two names he gives us here. He said, but the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus for me. 
for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and he found me. He said, The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou know very well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the onesiphoruses in our lives. Thank you that we get the opportunity to be that to those around us, to our pastor, to missionaries, to friends and family. Thank you, God, that you give us the ability to refresh those that are in need to be there for those that are incarcerated or chained by life circumstances. And I pray that, that before we leave today, every single one of us, God, will walk out of here with a fresh desire to be help to somebody in the world. Help to a neighbor, help to a friend, but it, and, and do it all for the glory in the name of Jesus. And we love you for that. We ask it in his name. And everybody said, amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a ministry. If you know that, 1, that Corinthians chapter 13 gives us the different spiritual gifts and there's some places in the body of Christ that God has put people to help the kingdom of God go along. God says he set in the church first apostles, then prophets, then teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healing, and then helps, governments, and diversity of tongues. I want to narrow in on the gift and the ministry of helps today. What you're going to notice is there's so many of you that are involved in the gift of helps, and you may not, did not even know it. You may not even recognize that that's the gift, one of the gifts God's given you, one of the ministries God's gift, he gifted you, and that is to help those around you, to help them to see and point them to Christ. Now, helps there is it's just a definition. It's a laying hold, an exchange, so as to support. When you've helped anyone in the church with anything, you were in the ministry of helps. If you smiled at somebody, you helped somebody. You worked in the nursery. You were a help to somebody. You fixed a meal or cleaned up after an event. You were in the ministry of helps. If you played an instrument, you're in the ministry of helps. If you ever just done something and, and, and took food to somebody who was in need or went to a funeral to be there for somebody, you were in the ministry of helps in the kingdom of God. And when I look through all these things, he puts it right after the miracles and the gifts of healing, then he puts the gift of helps. And I know don't think, well, it wasn't that much. It wasn't, I didn't do that much. But let me tell you something. It meant so much to the people that you did it for. Now, there's a difference between in a church between volunteers and ministry helps. There's a difference. Because we say the church is filled with volunteers. I say it's not filled with volunteers. It's full of people who are in the ministry of helps, as the Bible says. See, in volunteers, people consider themselves just helpers. They help when it's convenient. They're hesitant to make decisions. They don't see themselves as essential parts of the church or ministry. They fail to see the true reward in serving. That's a volunteer. But that, those in helps, those in the ministry of helps realize their service is a ministry to God. What they're doing is not just something that's just, you know, just has to be done. They're actually doing it as if they're doing it to Jesus. They know they're a vital part of the church. The church can't make it without you. It can't make it without you and helping. You greeted somebody at the door. You showed somebody where the restroom was, where you led somebody back to where the, the nursery was. You cooked. You made ice cream for the ice cream social tonight. Yes, yes, yes. They know they've been empowered to minister with the guidelines set forth by the leadership of the church. They understand that their service is building up eternal rewards. Listen, the Bible says it like this. Even somebody, if you give a cup of cold water to a little child in my name, he said there's a reward attached to it. Let me say that again. Even if you're in the nursery right now 
and you give a little cup of cold water to a child, Jesus said there's a reward in heaven that you're going to get because of that act of helping somebody. Give me a cup of cold water. Give me a kid somewhere. Because there's a reward that's attached to that. Because to Jesus, everything we do for him is important and it's critical to getting the, keeping the thing called the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, running. See, in, the, in church, sometimes we think of it like this. We think there's two rooms in church. There's those five-fold ministry groups. There's the teachers. There's the pastors. There's the missionaries. There's the evangelists. And they're in one room, and everybody else is in the other room. And everybody wants to be over in this room over here because those are the ones, the most prolific people in the church, but not to God. Everybody's important to God because everybody serves a purpose. Onesiphorus is proof of that. He gets his name there in 2 Timothy because God shows that after everybody had left Paul, for whatever reason, because he went to prison, because he went to jail, people began to distance themselves from him, but not Onesiphorus. The Bible says he sought him out. He tried to find where he was. So I think it's important today that the ministry of helps is so critical. You coached a church softball team. You went to a nursing home. You picked up trash. You built something. You, did, you came and prayed for somebody at the altar. You called somebody on the phone because you hadn't seen them in a couple of weeks. You loved somebody. You went to a funeral for a loved one or somebody that's a church family member. Everything that we do for God is important. Now, are you still with me? About to get good. Now, Onesiphorus is, is in the ministry of helps. He gets his ink in the Bible. He gets some real estate in the Bible because of what he did in this particular area. I'm reminded of, not reminded, I just like telling this story. There was a um, realtor who was driving through the uh, dark roads, not dark roads, but the back roads one day trying to find a particular place. And he's driving down this dirt road, and there's this chicken. And the chicken is, is, is running alongside his car, which he's doing about 30 miles down this dirt road, and the chicken has three legs. And so he speeds up a little bit, the chicken speeds up. He speeds up a little bit more, his chicken speeds up, running on his three little legs. Gets to this turn row, and then the chicken darts down the road. So he decides he's going to follow that chicken, find out where, he, where, it, where it goes, because he wants to talk to whoever the owner is. Drives up to this barn, chicken goes in the barn, farmer comes out. He says, uh, sir, is that your chicken? He said, yep, it's my chicken. He said, uh, do you know that chicken has three legs? He says, yeah, it's got three legs. I growed them like that. I bred them like that, three-legged chicken. He said, why'd you grow a three-legged chicken? He said, well, Ma likes the drumstick, and I like the drumstick, and Junior likes the drumstick. So that way, one chicken, everybody gets a drumstick. He says, um, well, what does it taste like? He said, I don't know. We can't ever catch him. And sometimes it just seems that the things that we do, Onesiphorus that does, don't seem like very important. But in the kingdom of God, they really are so much so that God put his name for eternity in this wonderful book called the Book of, a book of Life and the Word of God. He said this, he said, he refreshed me. He said he, he was not ashamed of my chains. He said he searched for Paul and he found Paul. Now, it's ironic that when I read back there what we just read, it doesn't say he ever preached a sermon. Did y'all get that? Go back there, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
It says, um, let's see, da, 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 da. he refreshed me, not ashamed of my chains. We were riding road, searched for me, earnest, searched for me earnestly and found me. Made the ground, da, 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 service to Ephesus. Never one time did he preach a sermon. Let's see again. Never taught Sunday school. Didn't do that either. Kids church, kids church, kids church. Never taught kids church either. Nope. Missionary. Nope. Wasn't a missionary. Y'all, are y'all following along with me? Never once did he do any of those things. When everybody else had left him, Onesiphorus was still there, trying to find Paul, trying to be an encouragement to him, trying to refresh him. And I think that's so important because if we really realize the things that you have done and we do for the kingdom of God that nobody may ever recognize are so important to Jesus, that one day he'll give a reward for those particular things. My uncle was uh, evangelized. He served the Lord for 70 years. He's 88 now. When he was in college, he got away from, really grew up in a kind of a Christian home, but they really didn't go to church, if that makes any sense. Um, But needless to say, he got in college and began to live a college lifestyle, as many college students do. He um, got to drinking and things like that, carousing, and and there was a man that he had worked for who was not a Christian who called him on the phone and heard heard how he was living his life. He called him on the phone and he said, Carl, he said, I want you to know something. You need to get right with God. He said, you need to start going to church and you need to change the way you're living. And my uncle listened to this man. This man, this man was not a Christian. He's telling my uncle that he needs to get his life right with God. My uncle will tell you today, the reason that I'm in church, the reason I serve God today is because that phone call that that man gave me to turn my life around. This man didn't even know he was in the ministry of helps. He wasn't even a Christian. God will use anything, even a three-legged chicken, to reach somebody with the gospel of Jesus. God can use anything to help somebody to see God a little bit clearer, to help us in our lo- in our, in the, in our, during our roads of life, to carry the load. God always has somebody who can help us, and that's me and that's you to do that work. There's three helps today in helping people that we see here in, in uh, Onesiphorus' life. The first thing we see, just a couple of just a little helps in helping people, just if you're jotting notes or you take notes, it's just four little things that I see that, that we see about Onesiphorus. That first of all, that helping people was a family affair. Did you see that at first? He said, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagelius and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. It was a family affair. See, when, when dad helps and mom helps, then guess what happens after that? Kids help too. When dad works in, the, dad works in church and serves God and dad takes the offering, guess who takes the offering after that? It's a family affair. If dads are involved, listen to me, dads, the best thing you could ever do for your children is to be involved in your local church. Best thing you can do, dads, is to be involved in your local church because sometimes monkeys see, they just see mom and dad doing and working and serving in the most whatever ways, and then what happens is they begin to do the exact same thing. For our church and for the church to last, if the Lord tarries to 2050 and 2100, it's going to take some kids and some people in the ministry of helps keeping this thing floating. And that's how they learn it. The Levitical priesthood in the Bible was generational. Dad served in the priesthood, then son served in the priesthood, and then son, grandson served in the priesthood. It's how God designed it to be. It's the same way in the body of Christ. Moms and dads, let me just encourage, just, just encourage you and thank you for bringing your kids to church today, bringing your grandkids to church today, because they're going to see it's important to you, it's going to be important to them, should the Lord tarry. The priesthood was always generational. 
So we see this, it's a family affair, helping people in the things of God. Now, I'm not talking about being a good person, just helping people in general. You understand what the difference I'm talking about? It's helping people in the kingdom of God. Because the promise was, he said this, if you give a cup of cold water to a child in my name, not in the name of, of a business or in the name of a family name, not in the name of, 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 a, of a, literally of a church, but in the name of Jesus. He said there's a reward that's attached to that. Secondly today, be present. He says this. He says, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. He often refreshed me and was not afraid of my chains. I looked at that word refreshed right there. And I thought, did that mean he took him something to eat? Looked up the Greek word, didn't see anything like eating or anything like that. Got hungry, went and ate a bowl of cereal. That was supposed to be funny. I guess nobody laughed, so never mind. Stay with me. Two more points. He said this. Then he said, then I thought, refresh. Maybe it means that he took him, you know, maybe he took him a pillow or a blanket or something so that he could sleep. But that doesn't say anything like that. So when I I looked into it, I just had to come to figure that maybe it meant that he was just there. He just showed up. When everybody else had left Paul, separated themselves from him, Onesiphorus just showed up. Can I tell you one of the greatest helps you can ever do in the lives of people is to just be there. At their mama's funeral, just be there. When they're going through and they lose their job, just be there. When you, some people say, well, I don't know why I go to church. I don't do anything. No, no, no. You show up and you're just here. And if it doesn't bless anybody else, it blesses the pastor. See, I'm blessed when you show up. See, because the Bible says this, that God's put me the watchman of your soul. In other words, it's my job. It's what I do every day. It's what I think about, what I pray about, how you're growing in your walk with Christ. And when you come to church, I, I, have, a, I have a feeling that it's easy. It's a, I do, can do a better job of discipling you, helping you grow in your faith. But when you're not here, I don't know. So you really help me just by being here. Everybody's important to the kingdom of God. You may not ever thought, ah, Brother Kerry wants me to be there. Yes, Pastor Kerry loves it when you're here because it helps me believe and think that I'm doing my work as a, as, as the, uh, as a, as a disciple and a watchman of the kingdom of God. Thirdly, it says this. It says he sought him out. You see that in there? He said, he often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains. When he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. Anybody ever play hide-and-go-seek? Anybody ever play with somebody who really doesn't want to play hide-and-go-seek? They really don't really care about going to find you. You're hiding. You're down there in your corner, and they're, looking, they're really not looking for you. They're just kind of going, okay, I can't find you. Will you come out? But there's something about somebody who goes earnestly seeking another person. Had a lady one time, her husband had passed away, she worked at the bank, wanted to go by and visit her. She was sitting there, and she was working a teller behind the bank, and she had a, just the longer I sat there, the more customers she had, so I just sat there and waited on her. Had, had several people out there that were, that seemed like the longer I waited, the more people came. Finally, after about 30 or 35 minutes, the, her line got low, and I walked up there and said, hey, how you doing? How's things going since your husband passed? And she said this to me. She said, thank you for waiting. See, just the fact that somebody went out of their way and, and diligently went to, out of their way to touch somebody and to seek out somebody. Thank you for those who, who, who take the time to come. And it's hard for you to come and work in the nursery. It's hard for you to come and teach. It's hard for you to come and get up early and come practice at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. And then you're the first one here and you're the last to leave. Thank you that you don't quit and you don't give up, but you give your very best in those endeavors. 
Thank you for those who teach and those who preach. Thank you for those who give. Many of you would love to be on the lake today in your brand new boat. And probably what you pay when you give to church, when you give to the work of God, you could make the payment on a brand new boat. But you have an idea that there's something more important in this world than having a new boat, and that is the kingdom of God. So you faithfully give to God and you love the Lord. Let me tell you, that's the ministry of helps. Sometimes when you go above and beyond, when you do your very best, when you make that effort to search for some things out, it does makes the difference in the kingdom of God. And lastly, it says this. Paul said, and you, will, you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. That's verse 18. You well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Every peop, every, all the people, it got started getting around. It started getting around that Onesiphorus was a helper. His reputation preceded him, didn't it? He said, the people, even the people over at Ephesus, that's not your home church, but the people over there, they began to realize how much of a help you are. See, that's where it always starts in the kingdom of God. If anybody wants to grow in the kingdom of God, start helping right where you are. I wish y'all were young preachers. If I ever get to preach to young preachers, that's what I'm going to tell them. Look, if you want to be a great man of God, a great preacher, pastor, a great church, be a missionary evangelist, here's the first step. Take this broom and learn how to sweep it. Learn how to work in the nursery. Learn how to put tables and chairs up. Because the thing is, that's how God always, we start small and God God grows us big. God said it like this. He said, if you'll be faithful in the small things, I'll make you ruler over many. In 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 in, In Acts chapter 5, it talks about the deacons, the first deacons of the church. And two of the deacons' names that we know of that started off was Stephen and Philip. And then it gives us some other names. And then after it talks about they were the ones that came together, and because they had to fix a problem in the church, there were some, some little ladies that weren't getting enough food, and so they had to put it over seven men. The Bible says they put, took seven men of good report, and they put them over this particular business. So taking chairs up, making sure people were fed. Stephen and Philip were two of those that helped do that. The next chapter says, as you go, Stephen's preaching a great revival in a town. And then he's martyred for the cause of Christ. And then, then, then there's another city that's taking place, and Philip's there, and he's preaching a great revival in that particular city, so much so they had to send the apostles down there to help him in that particular endeavor. But it all started with them taking care of tables and little ladies and widows. See, the thing is, that's how God works. If you want to be promoted in the kingdom of God, just be a help right where you are. I love the story. We'll close with this. It tells of the story of Elijah. There's Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah, there was a day where he had gone to stand up in front of the whole nation against the false gods of Baal. And it says that Elijah had gone before him and he said, look, we're going to have this contest. You're going to take all the people of your God and I'm going to take me and my God. And we're going to make this contest. We're going to make altars on two altars and we're going to put sacrifices. And the God who answers when we sacrifice will be the God that the whole nation serves. People said, that's a pretty good idea. They go up on top top of Mount Carmel. Prophets of Baal put their altar there, and they begin to have sacrifices, and God doesn't respond. So they start yelling louder, and God doesn't respond. They start cutting themselves and doing all kinds of things and dancing around, and God never responds. Then Then Elijah comes, and Elijah builds his altar. And as Elijah builds his altar, he puts the sacrifice on it. Then he starts dumping water on top of it so that it would be saturated and wet. And not only that, he puts a trench around it, puts water in the trench around it, so there's no doubt that this is completely saturated. And the Bible says they began to pray to God. Heaven opened up, 
And there was a, a lightning bolt that came that, uh, that took consumed the sacrifice. And as a matter of fact, it consumed the sacrifice, everything on there, and it licked up every single drop and ounce of moisture on that particular altar. The Bible says that from there, Elijah ran down the hill, the mountain. And as he ran down the mountain, there was a drought for three and a half years. He got to the bottom of the mountain. Elijah went and prayed. And as he prayed, the three and a half year famine was over. Now that's a pretty good day if, if, if you're a preacher. That's a pretty good day. But when it came time for him to pray to God, this is what I want to say as we close, is it came time to pray, and he was telling God, God, you're the God who answers by fire. Would you answer right now? And he said this. He said, God, if you do it according to your servant. He said, would you do it not because I'm a prophet? He said, would you do it not because I'm a preacher? Would you do it not because I'm a, uh, some kind of a Bible scholar? He said, would you do it for, your, for the sake of your servant? Somebody who had learned to help the onesiphoruses of the world, who'd learned to help the people around them, who'd learned to just be a blessing to those around them in the name of Jesus. Would you stand? Father, I thank you. When I look across here, I see the ministry of helps. I, see, I get the privilege of seeing it every single week person in the sound booth, person that cleaned our building, person that came and fixed the air conditioner, the lady back there hugging babies, the guys at the door, the person who gave in the offering. Thank you for those people, God. I get the privilege of looking at them every single week. And I pray today that Onesiphorus will speak to somebody, maybe somebody that thinks they're not doing much for the kingdom of God. He'll remind them all the things they've done all the times they've given a cup of cold water to a child. But I also pray this, God, there may be somebody, and they're, they're teetering. They would love to begin to serve. They'd be love to begin to give and, 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 and be involved in this ministry, but they just hadn't taken that step. And I pray today before they go home, they'll make that quality decision with you, God, that they're going to serve somewhere in the kingdom of God for the name of Jesus. I pray that, God. I pray every person here to know how important it is just that they be here they be present. they be here, God. It's, a, it's encouragement. It's a blessing for the kingdom of God. So I thank you for that. I thank you for the life of Onesiphorus. Not known by the masses of the world, but he's known to you, God. He's known by his friends. And I love you for that, God. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen to me. In just a moment, this is the time of our church service. We just come and connect with God. It's a time where we just come and talk with him, pray to him worship him and I'm just going to invite you to come in just a minute but there may be one person here today and you would be honest with me and here's that's what I need right now what God needs is just honesty and you say you know what I know that I'm not where I need to be with God I don't know what that looks like to you but when I say that you just something on the inside of you goes you know what just not where you need to be with God today but I know this before you leave today before you leave we're going to pray together. And I believe this. Everything starts with a prayer. And I believe this as we pray, and you from your heart ask God, say, God, I, I need to make some changes in my life and begin to make those steps back towards you. I believe God will do it. So just pray this simple prayer. People around you are going to pray it too as well. And mean it from your heart. And I believe God will turn your world around. You're going to be the happiest you've ever been. You're going to be able to get through the tough times like you've never been able to get through it. But more than that, you're going to be able to make heaven your home. Come on, pray with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you now and ask you to forgive me. Sorry for what I've done and what I've said and how I've lived. 
I turn away from that once and for all, and I turn to you. I give you my life, Jesus, no matter what you want to do. And I love you, and ask it in your name. Amen. 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 And friend, if that's you, I want you to do me a favor. Tell somebody you just committed your life to God today. Get involved in a local church. Begin to read your Bible. Do what it says. I'm telling you, God will take you places you've never been before. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grow your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.